Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You're listening to Alamo City Limits Podcast with Noah McGarrow-George, the official San Antonio Spurs podcast of Pounding the Rock in SB Nation. What's going on, Spurs fans? It's the day after the draft, and we're back for another episode of Alamo City Limits. I've got another very special guest today. I got my boy Damian Bartnek here from Air Alamo. What's going on, Dame? How you doing, man? What's going on, Noah? Uh, I'm very, very glad to be here, man. Very, very excited to talk about the NBA draft. The Spurs didn't do anything exciting, so I mean, I'm. I mean, it's going to be a very, you know, quick episode. You know what I mean? Nothing, nothing special went down yesterday. <laughs> yeah, there was no drama. There were no surprise picks. Everybody thought Josh Primo was going 12, so um, no surprises. <laughs> but, uh, but for real, let, let's go ahead and talk about that pick because I think that's what I want to focus on today. Is Josh Primo? At 12, I want your immediate reaction from that. What did you think about the pick? And maybe elaborate why you're either not on board with it or why you are okay with it. Okay, so I'll preface I'll preface this with originally when I first heard the name, I had a similar reaction to when like when my Washington football team drafted Jamin Davis in the first one. I was like, wow, okay, okay. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty I was happy that it wasn't Shingun. That's the one guy I was like, please. Please got no Shengu. No, 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 no. But whenever they, they drafted Primo, I was like, you know what? Originally, I was like, wow, I probably would have went Trey Mann if you want to get a guard. If you want to get a three-level creator, I would have went Trey Mann. But whenever I, I saw the name and I saw it come up, I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. Uh, I've been talking about, you know, I want them to swing on upside right now. I do not want someone who's, you know, maybe a low-end starter, kind of like that's their ceiling. They can play immediately. Yeah, that's fine, but they might be capped out, you know, uh, potential and ceiling-wise. So I was cool with the approach, the execution. I definitely had questions about <laughs> Dr- drafting a guy like him. I was, I was like, wow. I mean, I wrote a mock draft literally yesterday and I had him going, I think like 33rd. Like I just didn't, <laughs> I didn't know he was, I didn't know he's picking up lottery steam. I'll add more to that. I want to hear your opinion as well. And I'll add more to that because I think we know why they picked him there. Or at least I believe, I think I know why they did, but yeah, feel free to chime in, bro. Yeah, so for sure, I'm going to go ahead and provide a little bit of context. I got some notes here. I'm going to read directly from the notes so that everybody sort of understands the background on this because I want to give as much background as possible, right? I don't want to leave anybody in the dark. So some notes here that I have on Josh Primo. So basically, I had him 31st on my big board, right? I'm just going to be transparent with you. 31st on my big board, and I looked around the NBA, like the big draft riders like Kevin O'Connor, John Hollinger, Jonathan Gavoni, Sam Vecini, Mike Schmitz, Chad Ford, those guys – the highest he was on any of their big boards was 24. The lowest he was was 43. So he was sort of a late first round 
early second round kind of guy for most of the draft experts. And I know not everybody trusts those guys and that's totally fine. But I think one of the things for me that is sort of indicative of what the NBA thought of him is basically what the NBA does every year, right? They gather intel on what they think teams are going to do in the first round. And then they invite about 20 to 25 players into this thing called the green room, right? So it's the room where you have all the players sitting there. They're on national television so that when their name is called, right, they walk on the stage, they shake Adam Silver's hand, they take a picture with him. And Primo wasn't invited to the green room. Like he wasn't one of the 20 players invited, which to me sort of speaks volumes as to where the league thought he would come off the board. And so those two things are sort of interesting to me. And the last thing that I'll sort of throw out here, and we'll, we'll go more in depth on other things, but when he was picked and after he had his media availability, I'll go ahead and give you a couple of quotes from Josh Primo himself. So he said, honestly, I told my agent shut up when he told me. I had no idea. I had to believe it when I saw it on the screen first. And the second thing he said was, you know, I don't even know if I was ready for that. I didn't think I would go that high. So I just think it's very interesting that this guy who, you know, clearly guys are, are confident in themselves right there. They're coming out of college. Yeah. They know they're good basketball players. They sort of have an idea where they're getting drafted. And this dude had no idea he was going 12. Like that <laughs> is wild to me that even he didn't know that he was going 12. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you talk about, I mean, and that's the thing is like, I don't want to sit here and like bash on his agent, but like, I wonder if his agent had any idea, you know what I mean? Like, cause I know there, there could be times where, um, like I've heard about it in the NFL where like their agent withholds a little bit of information from them, just like kind of like as a surprise or kind of, you know, something like that, not to kind of, not so they're not too high, not too low, but I mean, yeah, no, it was definitely a shock to me. I definitely did not see this coming. Like I, whenever we all talk about the Spurs, like, Oh, Hey, they're going to draft this guy that no one's heard about. Right. Well, we all heard about <laughs> Josh Primo. We heard about him. We definitely did. We just didn't hear about him at number 12. Like I, I had, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I thought like Zaire Williams, a guy that I'm, you know, I was pretty high on. Uh, I thought, man, at 12, it might be a little bit of a reach, right? I write that piece the other day. I say, hey, you know, they can, you know, trade back for him or something like that. Josh Primo, I had, I had no idea. I had none. I, that's why I was cool. I'm cool with the approach and what they did, but the execution, I have questions about. That's why, like yesterday, when, you know, all the Spurs fans are riled up, but like, oh my God, I can't believe, it. I can't believe it. I was cool with the approach 100%. Yeah, a million percent. I was definitely not someone that said, "Hey, they need to draft Franz Wagner. They need to draft, you know, Kispert, or even a guy like in Moses Moody, who I feel we, the Spurs have a couple of guys that have a, a very similar mold to him as as far as play style goes." When they went for you know a primo, or if they would have drafted you know Trey Mann or something like that, I would have been fine because that's a they they have a different dynamic that currently isn't on the roster. But <laughs> there was definitely better options. I felt at twelve. You know what I mean? So. Uh, good approach, questionable execution. I'm not going to say bad because if he's a good player, I don't think it's, you know, it's really going to matter, but yeah. And we're, we're hoping that he's like going to be a good player. Right. But one of the things that I also want to touch on for a second is Brian Wright had media availability, obviously. And so basically what he said was direct quote from him is what Intel says, isn't always what mock drafts say. And I, I can't exactly say who said this to me, but allegedly the Knicks offered the Spurs 19 and 21 for just 12 straight up. Uh, because yeah. they wanted to get in the lottery, right? And and yeah. they had that on the table, and the Spurs said no because they believed that there were teams in the teens who legit legitimately had serious interest in taking Primo, so they held yeah. on to 12 so that they could ensure that they got him. And I guess, like, that's fine if that's their guy, but for me, Primo is a guy who, not just me, but a lot of other people have said, you know, he goes back to Alabama for a second year. He's still only going to be 19. He's still going to be one of the youngest guys in the next draft class. He's probably going lottery. 
like he'll have more responsibilities. He's able to show more. And those kind of guys, those guys like JT Thor, Kai Jones, specifically Josh Primo, those kind of guys who you think might go in the lottery next year, those are guys you want to target, right? Because you can get really good value. But if you think they're going in the lottery next year, if they go back to college, which obviously they didn't, you don't take them at 12. Like you can move down at, to 19 and 21, which is a move I would have done. I would have moved down to 19 and 21 because for me, even if he is not there, I don't think he was such a sure thing or like such a good bet to end up becoming this really outstanding player that you couldn't have taken somebody like Kai Jones would have been available there for you if you really wanted Kai Jones. JT Thor was available. Trey Mann was available. I just, I just don't really understand the move now. Of course, I'm going to support the kid 100%, right? Like he's 18 years old, youngest kid in the draft. He doesn't need anybody saying like, oh, he can't do this. He can't do that. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to try to support him as much as I can because I want to see him succeed, mostly because you don't want any players to fail. But also the Spurs took a bet on him. Like if he doesn't succeed, it looks bad on them. So I'm 100% behind the pick at this point, even if I don't really understand the logic of them making it. <laughs> yeah. And well, and that's the thing too, is if, if they had that deal, which I, I believe you, like they had 19 and 21 on the table, it's definitely interesting because then I think that means if they didn't take it, they had, they felt pretty strongly. Someone was going to, they, someone was going to take him earlier and maybe that was their guy. You know what I mean? Like something similar happened again, like, like with Washington with selecting Jamin Davis all throughout the draft process, I'm writing about him and I'm like, Hey, there's a third round grade on him for many people, but dude, he's getting first round consideration, like significant consideration. So maybe this is a guy, you know, it, it was in the same boat, you know, maybe he did rise like that. And people are betting that this, this kid is 18 years old. Like I just watched the game, the Auburn game today, the kid was 18 years, three weeks old in that game. Like he was a, a literally a child, you know what I mean? So I, I think, I think, I mean, there was probably significant, you know, significant rumors, you know, the significant steam coming that, Hey, he was going to go, you know, earlier than expected, but I mean, man, San Antonio that, you talk about really believing in someone. You can't say that this organization doesn't believe in him. I mean, and he probably knows that for sure. Like, hey, I I went a lot earlier than I expected. You know, there. I hope you know the the, the pressure. You know, hypothetically doesn't get on him because you know you did go a lot earlier than you expected. You know what I mean? It would be like for me or me if if after I got out of college, you know, I get hired by Fox Sports One. I'd be a little nervous and be like, man, I'm you know I'm real young. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but um, yeah, man, I, it's definitely. Hearing that they had 19 to 21 available was really tough, a little bit to stomach because, man, Kai Jones and Trey Mann would have been nice. You know what I mean? It would have been nice to walk away with both of those. But if if this is their guy, how how can I how can I argue against them right now? Because they could have went some you know a lot worse in my opinion. Like if you draft someone like Shingun who can play immediately, there's his flaws in his game. I feel like he won't be able to fix. I don't think he's going to ever be a good rim protector, a stout rim protector. I don't think he's going to move well enough laterally to play the four. So I don't really know. I don't, you know, certain players like that, it's kind of tough to, you know, for me at least to stomach it at 12 because you kind of know what you're getting. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a limit there that you know. At least with someone like Primo, yes, there's a, there's a very big, very wide gap of how good they can become. But, I mean, if there's one, one organization that we always talk about, that can get the most out of somebody. It's going to be San Antonio. Yeah, and I've, I've sort of got an interesting tidbit here for you as well. This is sort of the last bit of 
Intel or whatever. This isn't from me. This is from News 4 San Antonio. They said that the Spurs allegedly loved what they saw from Primo at the Combine and in his private workout with him, but that Primo was heavily debated among the organization on draft night and that it was ultimately the higher brass within the organization that made the decision to go with Primo over other prospects. So to me, I'm fine with them making that decision, but the fact that it sounds like there's a possibility that they weren't all on board collectively and they just went hey we got to take somebody you you make the decision that worries me a little bit again I think he's going to be fine and we can sort of talk about his game in just a second but let's talk about what it means for the timeline of the Spurs because the dude's 18 years old he's nearly three years younger than anyone else on this roster and they took a guard and I know we joke all the time right guard 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 now pretty much the only players they have under contract who are not guard are Drew Eubanks Yaka Pirtle Luka Shamanich. You could probably classify Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, Trey Jones, Derek White, Devin Vassell, DeJounte Murray, all as guards. And let's not rule out that they're going to try to bring back Patty. I mean, Patty has been a pillar of this organization for a decade now. There's a chance they bring him back. So what to, to you, what does that mean for the timeline? Like, wh- where are they going? Is Does that mean somebody's gone? There's two ways I look at this. One of them worries me. Well, the one thing, and we'll elaborate more about uh, – primo's game later right he can you know work well as a movement shooter off the ball something that i feel san antonio doesn't have right now right that's a great thing i hope that's not what they're looking at and they're like hey he can contribute in that way and that's solely what they focus on because me and you have talked about this where sometimes pop will play uh, players to their strengths sometimes to a fault shout out to my guy demar Derozan. that's what i think pop did a little bit there that that's what worries me that is what significantly worries me but if now they're looking at, hey, we want a full reset, um, shout out to your, your guy, um, Nick, right? Uh, uh, Nick, Nick Yarbrough for the, yeah. So he, he mentioned that last night on the stream, like, hey, they could be resetting the timeline. I, I would I would be fine with it. I mean, personally, I would. But I think if you're going to do that, you need to make a move like right now and start, you know, and obviously, you know, next week you make a move as soon as possible and move some players off and completely just reset this timeline. Because this kid is literally a kid. He's 18 years old. Like, I, I would be shocked if he if he played uh, like significant minutes within the next two years. So I think I mean there's a chance they might you know fully reset this. And I mean not to kind con- I mean not to start anything, but I mean this guy does kind of fit well with Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? Like I mean just to throw that out there. I mean it is kind of interesting. You know what I mean? Like if they are gonna reset it and they want a full you know a new slate here, I mean you could they could be doing that. <laughs> they, I mean, they could, and I think it's interesting. I think people sort of read too much into social media. I know a lot of people saw DeJounte Murray post on Twitter, like the yeah. the sort of like awkward face emoji. And yeah. they were like, oh man, he didn't like the pick or whatever. And this morning somebody posted it, uh, like reposted it on Instagram and he found it. Dude, he found it. He was like, no, that's not what that was. If I didn't mention a player, blah, blah, blah. And I tend to believe him. Like he posts stuff all the time. He takes stuff down all the time. Like he, he does what he does on social media. I think he might have even like a little bit of fun, like messing with people on there because everybody wants to read into that. I don't read into it too much, but I think you look at the reports that were saying, you know, Derek White, DeJounte Murray are gettable. Yep. I don't know if it's, there's not a chance that they're not gone because like I mentioned with the timeline, like they could be resetting it. You know, they could be resetting the timeline. They could be moving on from certain guys. And what I think is really interesting is you look at a guy like Primo and it's interesting to think about it this way in five years, he will still be younger than Derek White was as a rookie. Like, 
Isn't that crazy? Because yeah, like I don't yeah. know how much he fits into that timeline. Like DeJounte is not old by any means, like by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. He's only going to be 25. Derek's 27. Derek is almost a decade older than this dude. And DeJounte Murray is a full seven years older than this guy. Like, yeah. It's insane to think so by the time he's ready to play, those guys might be 30 and 28. Like by the yeah. time he's really ready to contribute, but we'll see. Yep. Maybe, maybe it'll speed up. You know, maybe, maybe his development will speed up. I'm not sure how much time he'll spend in Austin, but I do know, like yesterday during the presser, he said, you know, regardless if, if it's in San Antonio or if it's in Austin, I'm just excited to be part of the organization. I'm ready to get to work. And you like to hear that. Like if he does yeah. spend a year in Austin, which I think is probably more than likely. I'm going to be interested to see what he does there because I think he didn't have a very high usage role at Alabama. And I think that's something we will probably see from him in Austin. And I want to see that. I want to see what he is capable Mm -hmm. of. I want to know who he is more as a prospect. Yeah. And another thing, it's interesting that you mentioned that uh, about possibly them being moved. I don't think it's a matter of if, but when, I mean, honestly, because you look at it, when you, when you look at it, I mean, you have guys, everyone's been clamoring for these, this young group to get more touches. Right. But, what I don't understand is, okay, they have a guard, right? They, they added another guard. They added, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Patty. You're going to have Lonnie. You're going to have DeJounte. You're going to have Derek. I mean, Devin Vassell, what is, you know, what is he going to be? You know, like, I believe there's shot creation upside there. He's going to need the ball in his hands to create. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, Lonnie Walker, everyone's clamming for more, you know, touches for him. And everyone wants, you know, maybe Trey Jones can get some run. But my my deal is, I don't, I, I it just, when you draft someone this young, right, unless you're going to want him to be in that specific role that I mentioned earlier, just as a movement shooter off the ball, which I hope that's not what they're doing. Cause that would be, then that's a, it's a horrible pick. <laughs> you could get something like a skill set like that in free agency or in the second round, like they did. I, I, I think it's going to be really, it's a weird, like I said, like you said, timeline wise, like an 18 year old, when he's going to be ready at age 22, 23, these guys are going to be in their prime. I mean, I'd argue DeJounte's probably entering his, prime you know right now you're kind of what you see is what you get is you know is, is approaching DeJounte and I think it's like you're already there with Derek as well so it's trust me it is a weird it is a weird move from that perspective as well because you don't know when this guy can contribute you know what I mean like I don't think I think he's a season or probably two away from actually you know get, getting some significant minutes but we'll see man I mean and what's even more interesting too is like look at this way we haven't even seen Lucas Samanich play like consistent NBA minutes. Like what's going to happen there? You know, like maybe, maybe Luca Keldon, Primo and Devin Vassell are like what they want to do. You know, maybe that's what they think is the future. And DeJounte and Derek are the present. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. I mean, you you can't rule it out necessarily, but it is strange. Like the fact that Luca hasn't really played that much. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what they do with that. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you, so I asked you for your immediate reaction, but what, what would you grade this pick? Just be honest with me. I'll tell you what I gave it. I gave this pick a C minus. Um, I I don't want to get go into D territory because as someone who I firmly believe would have been a lottery pick the, the following year, it's not like yeah. they they went and picked Luca Garza twelve, right? It's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. they picked someone like Frank, uh, Frank yes. <laughs> like, like they they didn't. <laughs> they, they it was a big reach. Like I said, like for me, yeah. he was thirty one on my big board, which means they picked basically nineteen picks earlier than I probably would have. But at the end of the day, like he is eighteen years old, he's shown some nice flashes, and we'll get into his game in a minute. But what was your grade for him? Like, what do you give that pick? Oh, I, I would say, I would say it's probably like a C plus. Uh, because I can't, I'd be a hypocrite if I said, if I gave it anything less, because I love the approach. That's what I've been saying for a while now. Like I've been saying, yes, 
swing on upside, swing on, you know, actual shot creation at all three levels. Like I was a Josh Giddy guy and everyone was telling me, oh, Giddy stinks. Oh, he's not a good athlete. But I was like, no, man, create like three level creation is something San Antonio needs. Like, so I'm cool with the approach, but the execution is what's questionable. So I think I can't give it anything more than a C plus. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's fair. And I, I know some people I saw, like, for example, I'll just go ahead and give you grades from sort of, sort of like the major networks. I, I don't necessarily agree with all of the grades. It's not that I think that they're like way off or anything like that, but the grades here that we got are NBC sports. Give it a C plus like you did uh, SB nation. My network gave it a D. I don't want to, I don't want to throw them under the bus like that. Right. Like, I don't think it's a D bleacher report also gave it a D sporting news was on board with me with a C not a C minus USA today, C plus DraftKings C sports illustrated C. So I think like generally people are sort of on board with what we're saying. Like when I'm reading what they said, you know, it's a reach, but it could end up paying off. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing to remember is it could end up paying off. So let's move into his game. What, what do you see from him? And I'll talk about it too, but I want to get your opinion on his game, what he brings to the table, maybe what he needs to work on improving if he wants to become, you know, worthy of that 12th pick. Yeah. So I watched the, um, the Auburn and Alabama game about 9am this morning <laughs> and I'll, I'll stick out, you know, offensively immediately. Uh, this dude has legit NBA range. Uh, he's a, he's a great shooter. I feel uh, even though, I mean, the percentage isn't like, oh my God, he was, you know, 50, 50, or anything like that. But off the catch, no, there's definitely NBA ta- NBA level range, NBA level shooting. Like, he's going to be a really good shooter. I feel. I I think off the catch, off the ball, it's gonna it's gonna work. As far as his game off the dribble, he can actually get to the rim relatively well. I would say, even though he's not a you know this amazing quick first step, you know, going to give you a couple of crosses and a hezzy and go or anything like that. But he's he, despite being not be, not being a uh, dynamic ball handler, he can actually get to the rim really well. What he does at the rim needs a lot of work. I mean like respectfully there was times where he's going up to the rim very soft and he's getting a shot pinned into the glass, like pinned into the glass, pinned into the stance. I believe in the Auburn game, he had a shot blocked four times from what I saw, which that's pretty alarming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was a couple, there was one time where he pushes off with his left hand and Shreve Cooper, you know, tries to, you know, draw the, uh, draw the foul and um, Primo's going, he's driving. He does a Euro, the big shadows him the entire time and just literally just puts his hands up, swats him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he needs some work there, both as a scorer and as, and, and as a facilitator there when he's going to the rim because he's missing guys that are wide open as well. So, I mean, you can see the potential there, the upside there. Uh, offensively, you know, maybe, you know, this guy, you can turn into being a three-level creator. Like, you know, there's there's definitely potential there. I believe, you know, even as, the, as a pull-up three-point shooter, something that the Spurs need as well. There's definitely a lot of potential there as well. So stuff like that is what you're working with. But he is far, very far from a finished product offensively defensively uh, in the Auburn and Alabama game, he didn't do a lot on the ball. Uh, he wasn't very active. just wasn't needed, uh, but off the ball as a team defender, he did some good stuff, drew a charge. Uh, there was one where he's, prote- he's, um, he's going to protect the rim. He goes, uh, stays vertical, doesn't foul, leads him to a turnover. That's good stuff, right? I mean, he's an 18 year old kid. You know, you're not going to be upset at that whatsoever. Uh, I'm still going to watch a couple more games uh, just to kind of get a better feel. But I think what sticks out immediately is the shooting, the actual creation upside off the dribble, uh, pull-up shooting, you know, pick-and-roll stuff. And I think that's something San Antonio really needs, so I can see why they reach there. But trust me, guys, there is a lot. there's a long way to go. <laughs> there certainly is a long way to go, but I want to go back to the shooting. So specifically, he shot 38.1% on 3.8 three-point attempts per game. And I really like that. Like, that's a solid foundation. And like you mentioned with catch-and-shoot, he shot 44.4% off catch-and-shoot opportunities this season as a freshman. And to me, the thing that's really encouraging about that is you look at his shot prep, it's immaculate, right? 
His hands are always ready. He's in shooting position. His body squared to the basket. And the second that ball's hitting his hands, he's stepping into that shot. Those are all things that you don't necessarily expect out of an 18-year-old. So I do think potentially if he does play for San Antonio this season, the shooting to me translates immediately. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to have a problem with that. And like you mentioned as well, the movement shooting is encouraging. He moves well off ball. He's a good cutter. He's good at relocating. He's good at also one of the things that I saw when I was watching him play, because I saw a few of his games this season. I'm not going to say I watched every game, but I watched about three or four games of his this season is he drives and he'll kick and then he'll immediately relocate. And then he's ready right off of that relocation to shoot the ball. And then he showed some flashes of being able to shoot running off screens, which yep. you, those are all things you really like. And the last thing that you mentioned was off the dribble. The dude can shoot yeah. off the dribble. He absolutely yeah. can. Now, was it a large sample size? Was it a great percentage? No, but he showed legitimate NBA range. He was comfortable letting it fly. And those are things that you have to be encouraged with in terms of him. Now, I'm not going to say that he's a good driver, right? He, got, he was able yeah. to get to the rim fairly well, but he doesn't have yeah. a very good first step. And one of the things that really caught my eye when I'm watching him is he's a crafty finisher, right? Like he likes the up and unders. He likes to throw a ball fake. But one of the things he really likes to do is bring that ball up right from the hip. And he did that a lot. And he got his shot blocked a ton because those defenders, they're waiting for that, right? He's mostly right-handed. He almost exclusively finished with the right hand. He was always trying to get back to his right hand. They're looking at him the whole time. They're reading it off the hip. They swat it before it even gets above his shoulder. Yep. And those mm -hmm. are things he's going to have to finish because he is so long, right? He is 6'5 with a 6'9. Somebody also reported that he's now 6'6 with a 6'11. So if that's true, incredibly long wingspan. That's outlier wingspan for somebody his height. He can't be doing that. Now, he can do it occasionally, but that can't be his go-to every time. Like you look at guys who do that, Ricky Rubio's doing that. There's a reason Ricky Rubio's doing that because he is so small. I think he's sort of negating his length there. But there are other areas like he has, I, I think his dribble package isn't super advanced, but he did string together some, some good moves here and there. He was able to shake guys, but the burst, not being able to get by smaller players because he's not strong enough, he's not fast enough. And then the last thing that sort of worries me is he didn't really like take advantage of mismatches against bigs. The only way that he did so was when he was shooting, when he was able to size them up, shoot off the dribble, but trying to yeah. blow by bigs, it just didn't work. And I don't know if that's because one, his burst isn't too good or two, maybe his, he's just not very strong, or maybe it's a combination of both, but at 18 years old, I don't think he's a finished product. I think he can continue it, you know, growing as an athlete and maybe even growing as a player. Now, let me ask you if he grows a few inches. And so he goes from, you know, six, five, six, six to six, seven, six, eight. And he has this sort of guard skill set that makes him immeasurably more valuable. What do you think that would mean for him? Like as a playmaker, as a shooter, as a scorer, what could that mean if he grows a little bit? Because I think that's a possibility. He is only 18. Yeah. Well, the thing for me is the size there. I think what I'm what I'm more concerned with, of course, like we've been talking about, is the strength. Now, I if he turns six eight, six seven, that's fine. But he needs to learn how to actually play with that, play uh, play with that to his actual strength. Uh, like you mentioned with the with the, the little scoop layup off the hip, SGA does that as well. I don't know if that's just a Canadian <laughs> guard thing or something like that. But yes, they do that all the time, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like just lay the ball up. But yeah, no, I mean, if he if he actually added more size, that would be really impressive. I mean, yeah, I mean, athletic profile wise, he's going to be in the 99th percentile. Like it would be insane for his position. But um, yeah, I, I think I think adding size, mostly just adding strength. I think that's the biggest thing he needs to really work on. And even if if he's not able to take advantage of those bigs off the dribble like that. 
one thing I would say is he needs to learn, if he's not going to be able to do that, he needs to learn how to master actually playing with pace. Like something SGA or D'Angelo Russell does is they're Absolutely. Really, really good at playing with pace, although they're not, you know, super uh, quick off the dribble. Now they have good dribble packages and stuff like that. But if he can master how to play with pace, I'd be fine with that. I'd be, I'd be cool if he's not, you know, giving me Trey Young, hey, hey, Hezzy, and gone. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it'd be fine. But I think that's kind of my biggest, my biggest concern, my biggest worry is if he needs to learn that. But, man, if you're looking at a 6'8 guard at, at, you know, with a 6'11 wingspan that can give you that creation, man, I mean – I mean, that only makes that only makes the pick sound better. You know what I mean? So, yeah, for sure. And, and let me let me ask you this, too. So we're talking about his self-creation. I, I want to make that clear. So when it comes to him creating for other teammates, I think that's a little bit of a concern for me. Right. He had 41 turnovers, I believe, to yeah. 25 assists. And not all of that was off of like passes, although he did tend to telegraph passes. He would stare down his targets. Then he would try to fit it into too small of a window. And at that point any average defender is going to be picking off that pass, right? But he also sort of had tunnel vision. He got a little carried away, played out of control on drives, committed quite a few charges. Is that something that projects well? Because one of the things that the Spurs said that they liked from him was they saw things that they did not see previously in college at the Combine. And I watched those Combine games. I didn't really feel like he played much better than he did at Alabama. So I don't know what they saw. Maybe they also saw it in the workout or something, but is that a skill that you think is projectable for him? Because at this point, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing the playmaking for others upside. Yeah, no, it's definitely something you got to worry about. I know I also read that tweet as well. Someone tweeted that that was at the combine and said like, hey, Primo flashed, you know, playmaking ability that we didn't see. You know what I mean? So maybe in the workout or, or, or something like that, they saw that as well. Um, I know I did read that, hey, he didn't have a lot of, you know, time opportunities as like a primary ball handler i'm reading it right here that he only found himself in the pick and roll 10 percent of his touches you know what i mean so yeah i think i think there's definitely something to look at there's there's something that intrigues you there uh but i definitely can't say he's gonna again he's not gonna give you d'angelo russell three level creation right now i can't say that for a fact you know what i mean there's there's not really a solid foundation here for that but i mean like I said, there's just so much, there's so much if involved here, right? Like if he does, because if he can do that, I mean, like I said, that's a skill set that is not on this team at all. I, I mean, I really feel that way. So yeah, I, I think I'm definitely on your side when it comes to like, yeah, we haven't really seen it because we, you know, we really haven't, but I, I mean, he's just so young. I mean, you're working with it with it with a clean canvas here. You can definitely sculpt something out and make something, make something out of what he brings right now. Definitely. And, and I'm excited for him. Like, I, I don't want to trash all over him. I do think he has the potential to be a really, really good player down the line. But like you said, it's the ifs. If he's able to yeah. add, you know, X, Y, Z to his game, if he's able to, you know, it is a lot of ifs. But like you mentioned, if we know an organization that has consistently been able to get the most out of whoever they draft, it has been the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, they have been good time and time again. And so for me, the last thing that I still want to pick your brain about is do you think he should be playing in the NBA from day one? Because to me, if you're taking a guy at 12, I think you should. You look at the, the organization like o the Oklahoma City Thunder, like they threw Alexi Pokashevsky, Shea Alexander, Lou Dort, Darius <laughs> Baisley, you name it. Like the, any guy who they drafted or acquired who was young, they were getting minutes immediately. And I think there's some advantage to playing with sort of a loose leash, right? Like it's not that they're not being held accountable, 
but they're not being yanked out of games for every mistake. They're being told, hey, like, we understand that you're making mistakes. We're going to call you out when you do make the mistakes, but we're going to let you learn on the fly. Now, I think that would be a great way to approach Josh Primo because I think there's only so much value to the G League. And I mentioned it on the stream last night, right? If you're a team like the Spurs, they were winning for years and years and years. You got Tim Dunk, you got Manu, you got Pop, you got Tony, you got Bruce Bowen. You're in the prime of the dynasty. You can't afford to be having guys learn on the fly, right? Like you're yeah. trying to win right now. That's right why now. you saw guys like DeJounte, Bryn Forbes, even guys like Corey Joseph, Kyle Anderson, Jan Mahimni. Like those guys were <laughs> spending time in the G yeah. League because they could not afford to be losing games because you're in a championship window. The Spurs aren't in a championship window right now. Like to me, that mm -hmm. means you got to get this guy minutes or if he is in the G League, he's got to be the number one option, number mm -hmm. two option, unless, you know, Luca's still there. Mm -hmm. And he's got to be playing heavy minutes every single night. So I, I want to get your take on that because I'm pretty firm in what I believe, but I'd love for you to change my mind if you have a different opinion. No, no, no. The only reason why I want him in the G League is to be the primary ball handler and get those reps. That is literally it. That is my only reason why I want him in the G League, uh, because I want the ball in his hands and I want him to basically learn the game. I mean, he's an 18-year-old kid. That's what I want. As far as Luka Samanich, like, all respect to him, I don't think he offers any shot creation like that. <laughs> so I don't really want Luka Samanich dribbling the air out of the ball. Give, give Primo all of those touches. But, no, seriously, I think – the only reason why I'd want him in Austin is because of that, because I want him to learn, you know, basically get those reps as the primary ball handler. Like, like we mentioned too, the Spurs run so much pick and roll as well. They were the fourth highest team running pick and roll this past year. Primo only ran pick and roll 10% of the time at, at Alabama. I mean, un unless you're going to throw him out there, which I'd be cool with it. If he, if he was playing <laughs> 60, 70 games in the, with the Spurs, I mean, we'd all be fine with it, but unless you want to, you know, throw him out there like that, man, let him learn in Austin might as well. I mean, like you mentioned, we're, the Spurs aren't competing. They're, 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 they, they, you know, respectfully, they'd be lucky if they competed for the playoffs. Like, you know, all due respect. So, I mean, why not? And what do you, what do you, what are you going to lose? You know what I mean? What do you have to lose right now? So, yeah, I think the only reason why I'd want them, want him in the G League is to get those primary reps. But outside of that, not nah, let him play in San Antonio. I mean, he can contribute. There's definitely a way he can contribute. I mean, the shooting's no joke. He can contribute in that way immediately. Uh, just my only worry is, that's all they let him do. That's all they want him to do. That's where I'm kind of like, nah, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. And I guess like to sort of like quell your concerns, I have one last thing that like Brian Wright and them said is they, you know, they said, we're really excited about what we were able to do tonight. We went to the draft improving what we thought was best player available, best potential long-term ceiling versatility in shooting and that the league has become increasingly positionless. I don't believe in one to five labels and we have continuously targeted long athletic perimeter players. So to me, when I hear that, I don't think that they just drafted him for shooting. I know that they wanted to address shooting. And I think they did a little bit, bit with Joe Wieskamp. And we won't talk about Joe Wieskamp. We'll just stick to Josh Primo today. But for me, that sort of signals that they believe in this guy. Like long-term, they believe in his future. They believe that he's going to have potential to be a really good player, not just another asset. And I'm not saying that everybody on the roster is just an asset, but there are yeah. certainly players to me who their scalability in a new role in terms of being a first option, a second option, that just isn't there. It just isn't there for a winning team. Sure, you can give DeJounte and Derek and Keldon and Lonnie and Devin and Luca a bunch of touches, a bunch of shots. I'm not really 100% convinced that all those guys are going to be effective 
in a new role. And I, I sincerely think that it's, it, it could be a rude awakening. And I've said it before on the podcast, but a rude awakening for Spurs fans who were saying, you know, just get them touches. And I'm, I'm all for that, right? Get them touches, yeah. get them shots, let them run the show. So you know what you have in them. But I think at the end of the day, you may not like what you find out. And hopefully yes. they prove me wrong. But a lot of the things that they got to get better at, like Keldon, not a good standstill shooter, not good at creating for himself. DeJounte, not a good standstill shooter, not a good shooter off the dribble out to the three-point range, not an excellent facilitator. Derek White doesn't stay healthy. I love his game, but he just doesn't stay healthy. Devin Vassell sort of projects as a low usage guy, showed some self-creation potential. I still believe in that to a certain extent, but I think he's closer to a Mikel Bridges. Like none of that screams future superstar or, you know, perennial all-star, you know, the bona fide second best player on your team to me. And for that reason, I think that there's a good chance with this Primo pick, they're looking at the long game. Like next year, there is an incredibly good draft class at the very top. You've got Chet Holgram, you've got Paolo Banchero. You land either one of those guys with the core that they have. Maybe you sign a John Collins. Let's say they sign a John Collins in the free in free agency. You could be looking at a really good team, but first, them to be able to do that, they've got to lose. And personally, I think I'm okay with that. As long as they're getting all the young guys' touches, they figure out what they got, they have a definitive plan, I'm fine with that. How do you feel about that? Yeah, and and to piggyback off the John Collins thing, I think what I mentioned earlier about them competing for a playoff spot, I think how this roster is currently constructed, I'd be shocked if they were competing for a playoff spot, just kind of where we are right now. But, you know, as piggybacking off of that, yeah, no, I think they're definitely playing the long game. And I put that on Twitter, like, when I, when I heard Brian Wright, didn't he, he said that, didn't he? Like, we're, we're looking, we're playing the long game. Or he said something similar to that, like, with the timeline. I agree, because Primo definitely needs a lot of work, <laughs> right? He's going to need some time to develop. But I think I think through and through where this team's headed at, they have, like we've mentioned, like me and you have talked about, they have so many complimentary, complimentary pieces. Like, that's what they have right now. That's where I think everyone is going to be best at. They don't have that guy who can who really just transcends what they do that offers something different. It's kind of like everyone does a little bit of the same thing. No, they have, they have some floor raisers, but no one who really raises the ceiling of the team. So that's why, like, when you pick a guy like a Primo or you're adding other guys, like, that's why I'm all for this approach and what they did and who they're looking to add, what skill sets they're looking to add, because three-level creation is important in today's league, man. I mean, we can talk about how shooting's overrated and this, this, and that, which a whole other deal, which I think – Context matters with that, with a statement like that, because uh, San Antonio is definitely not overrated. But they're looking at they're looking at where the game's going. In a sense, this kind of makes me happy that they're going this way because I think they're starting to realize, like, hey, we need something different now. Like what we're doing now is not working. We need something entirely different. But yeah, man, just to kind of couple all that together, I think I think where San Antonio's headed, and you know, this draft kind of really they're looking, you know, for, you know, four, five, six years from now, and I think, like I mentioned earlier. Derek and DeJounte might be the present, but I don't know if they, they'll be the future. You know what I mean? I think the future is gonna, really going to revolve around, you know, a Primo, a Devin, a Keldon, you know, next year, whoever they select. Um, hey, maybe John Collins can be in that too, maybe. But I mean, right now where they're, where they're headed at, I think we're kind of entering like a true, like new era of Spurs basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible. And I don't want to be a pessimist. I always just try to be a realist. Like when I, when, when I talk about the Spurs, I'm never trying to just – you know, dump on the organization. I, I just want to be honest. When you look at this division, Southwest division, the Rockets now have Kevin Porter Jr. They've got Jalen Green. They got Christian Wood. They were able to pick up Usman Gruba and Alperin Shingun in the draft at, I think, appropriate draft spots. You've also got the Mavericks. They've got Luka. They've got KP, Tyrell Terry and Josh Green that are 
solid assets that I don't really think got to prove themselves. You look at Memphis, they got John Morant, they got Triple J. You've got Brandon Ingram, you've got Zion Williamson for the Pelicans. And I think the Spurs, even though I think they have one of the better young cores in the league, they have the worst young core overall, just from a talent perspective in the division. And you lose more games next year, you add a Paolo Banchero, you add a Chet Holgram, you're looking at potentially one of the best young cores Exactly. In the division, if not in the NBA. So I'm excited to see what they do, really, if they win, if they prove me wrong and they end up making the playoffs and make a run. Good. I'm glad. That means they're ahead of the timeline. They've also got a young asset in Josh Primo. But if they lose, they still got a ton of really valuable assets on tradable contracts. They've got some young players in the works in Keldon and Devin Vassell and Josh Primo. They, they have a lot of options, so I don't think the Spurs are you know necessarily stuck in the mud or is in a bad of, of a position as some fans or some media members might want to make it out to be. But overall, I appreciate you joining me on this podcast. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your writing. Uh, if you have anything in the works, let those people know. Yeah, go ahead and follow me on Twitter, y'all. It's at D-A Bartonic. That's at D-A-B-A-R-T-O-N-E-K. Uh, check out my pin tweet. You can see where I t- uh, cover the Spurs. I cover the Washington football team and kind of just the NFL in general. I cover Texas State sports as well. I'm on podcasts where primarily we talk about the Washington football team, but I'm definitely working on getting some crossover episodes done here soon. Yeah, and I'm a full-time student at Texas State, so just follow the ride. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to make it on ESPN, Fox Sports 1, something like that, you know, <laughs> something like. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you, Noah, for having me, brother. I, I appreciate it. You're like you're legitimately like my goat. So yeah, this is dope. (laughs) (laughs) I I appreciate you joining me, man. And I fully believe in you. You got the talent, you got the drive, you're putting out great stuff. So everybody check out what he's doing, but thanks again for joining me. And thanks to everyone who tuned in for this edition of Alamo city limits. And for those of you listening at home, make sure to subscribe, leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And we've got a fantastic staff of writers over at pounding the rock who do an amazing job of keeping everyone up to date with their favorite teams. So check our stuff out, but until next time, Spurs fans, take care.